Hi everybody, welcome back to the Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. Thanks again for tuning in, and here comes this episode. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Babbling Bearded Biker podcast. I just want to say first of all, thank you for coming, thank you for listening to me babble on. So I was originally going to start nice and gently, um, first couple of episodes, but I think, screw it, I'm just going to go straight in to the hard-hitting ones. So I'm going to speak about um, my mental health and the mental health challenges that I've faced over the past six, seven years. Um, the mistakes I've made regarding my mental health and things that have helped and things that haven't helped. Now, I'm quite open about my mental health. Um, most of my friends and quite a few of you listening know that I've struggled with mental health problems for a number of years now. But I don't think people truly know what caused it and what effect it has on me, what effect it has on my family and what effect it has on my work. Now, mental health issues are a huge thing at the moment um, with the, the pandemic and people being isolated for two and a half, three years. Um, the, the staff, my colleagues who are suffering with stress, like myself, um, I've had to take off time work, time off work, and it, it's a big thing at the minute. But we still, unfortunately, live in a time where having a mental health problem is seen as being weak, and that can't be further from the truth. Um, so I'm going to talk a bit about the stigma behind mental health as well, um, and how it is in the world at the moment. Some of you may have listened to my uh, recording I sent in. I posted it on my Facebook a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was from a chap called Keith Schneider, who runs a podcast himself called Anxiety About Anxiety. So on one of the mental health Facebook groups that I'm on, he asked for volunteers to share their story, so I did. Um, and really, it's it's him who's got me into the podcast. <clears throat> now... He basically put a call out, I answered. I don't know if people have listened to it, but if they have, I'll be repeating, but I'm sorry. Not really. Um, So, for those who don't know, I'm currently off sick from work, have been since January. Um, I'm not going to be going back anytime soon, as far as I'm aware. So, it got to a point where I was struggling quite badly at work. I was dreading going into work. I didn't want to be there, I and it was showing in my patients, it was showing to my colleagues, and it was also showing to my family, and I, I can't be having that. So, so what caused my generalised anxiety disorder and depression, which is what I've been diagnosed with? So quite a few years ago, um, I attempted to stop a patient leaving the hospital. Um, they were there because of a mental health problem, the irony. Um, I attempted to stop him. We got into a scuffle, me and another member of staff. Um, Security arrived. Police arrived. Um, Security said that this particular person comes in quite a few times, assaults staff and disappears, which I found was true. So me and my colleague, who's now a senior member of staff at the hospital, um, 
made a formal complaint. We, we gave our statements and we expected, you know, something to happen. We, we had no input from the, uh, from the hospital. Um, they didn't back us. We were told numerous times by the managers at the time um, that we'd have to do it as private citizens. Now, this happened at work, on work time, but that's by the way. So I got a phone call a week before we were due in court. Uh, me and my colleague were due as victims to give statements. And the officer on the other end of the phone said, are you being supported? I said, no. And he said, well, I suggest you get yourself a lawyer because they are pushing quite heavily for um, things to be turned onto you two because effectively you stopped someone leaving when they wanted to leave. And yeah, so so needless to say, me and my colleague, we dropped the case. Um, unfortunately, how it happened, you know, sometimes it happens like that. And then I was not having a good time in the area that I worked. Um, not going to badmouth it, but it just wasn't, it wasn't working out for me. So, so I was, so with my generalised anxiety disorder, the first year or so after the event, I was feeling these horrible feelings. I'd be working my shift and all of a sudden my heart would start racing. I'd start hyperventilating. I'd essentially start panicking. I had this feeling in the pit of, the, pit of my stomach of panic, of dread. And I didn't know what it was. I ignored it, took all the deep breaths, carried on, happened again and again and again. Didn't do anything about it. Spoke to a few people at work and they essentially said, well, you know, man up. You know, we all get a bit, bit upset at times. You've just got to man up and carry on. So I did. So I did. It got to a point I was studying for my MBQ3 at the time. I was on my way to college and I just pulled over the side of the road and I just said, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. So I turned my bike round, rode home, and I went fetal on the settee for six hours. Luckily, I've got an amazing wife. She just left me to it, didn't pry, nothing. She just waited for me to be able to surface from, my, from the dark hole and spoke to her about it. And she's got her own mental health problems. She said, look, you need to get this sorted because it's not doing you good at all. So I went to see my GP back in the time you could see a GP. And I spoke to my GP about it at length. Um, I think it was about 20 minutes I was in there. And I came out with a diagnosis of generalised anxiety disorder. And with that diagnosis, I was given some medication, citalopram, 10 milligrams once a day. So I had that, I'd got some time off work, spent about two weeks off work, felt better, felt right, okay, let's do this. Went back to work, still on the antidepressants. I stayed on the antidepressants for about six months, then I felt well enough to come off them. So I came off them, fine. And then something else happened, and I can't, I don't know what happened. I can't remember, it was a good couple of years ago now. And it, I just went back again and started regressing again. And my my wife was noticing it, my kids were noticing it, my colleagues were noticing it. 
So I took the decision to take more time off work, which I still met up with some friends who I was friends with at the time in the department up in the area, sorry. And they said to me a number of my colleagues were talking about me in quite a derogatory way. Words like, what has he got to be stressed about? Why is he anxious? Oh, he's just being a wimp. He's just being weak. Now, when you are in the midst of a mental health crisis, the worst thing you can hear is someone saying you're weak, someone saying you're not manly enough. Now, the way I see it, that is what kills people. It's words like that which affect people. Just, you know, throw away comment for someone. Unfortunately, I still hear it to this day. Um, and that's what scares me, is that people still think that, you know, as people who are a bit nuts, actually are weak. You know, there's, there's nothing weak about having mental health problems. The fact we still live in an age where it's not seen to be, you, you, you know, you're weak if you have mental health problems. I mean, that's that's wrong, absolutely wrong. We all have a mental health problem of some description, whether it's depression, anxiety, body dysmorphia. There's thousands of mental health problems which 99.9% of the world have in some shape or form. Now, I've come to terms with people's stigma, I wear it proudly like a badge that I have a mental health problem. But when you keep it inside and don't get help for it, that's when you start going down a dark road, which I started going down when I was first diagnosed. Now, I made some bad decisions when I when I was first had this mental health problem, um, when I first diagnosed with GAD. And the biggest one was keeping it all to myself. I kept it on myself, I internalised it. Now, I've got a therapist, she's absolutely amazing. Um, she calls it a panic pocket, because you swallow it down, put it all in there, then all of a sudden, boom, gets big, and we're back to square one again, and that's unfortunately what I've found recently. So, I mean, when you internalise it, that's when it does the damage, and that's why we need to be open to ourselves, open to our colleagues, open to our friends, open to our family, that we have a mental health problem and there's absolutely no shame in it, there's nothing nothing bad about having it and being open about it. It's bad having it, but being open about it. Now, my best decisions were speaking to my GP, getting on antidepressants, getting therapy, changing where I work, that was a big one. And we've got to be ready to make that move. But you can only make it yourself. No one can make it for you. And the main problem is change. When you have these anxieties or this depression or whatever you've got, you don't want to change because you've always got the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. Now, the way my anxiety affects me can be completely the same as what some people have. It can be completely different to what others have. On the podcast that I posted a few weeks ago, um, Keith's podcast, <clears throat> I had four messages from my colleagues and my friends who said, you know what, Danny, that, that's exactly how I feel. That's exactly what I get. 
So by talking about it now, I'm hoping that if someone does have the same feelings, they can identify it and they can see that, you know, it's, this is probably what it is. I need to get some support for it because it's not normal feeling this way. It really isn't. So, I mean, my, my symptoms, they vary, but because I've left my anxiety for so long, it's manifested itself into a health anxiety as well. And 12 years working for the NHS has given me a lot of clinical knowledge, but I still, you know, I still can feel that there is an issue, even though there isn't. I know, I know there isn't. I know there isn't. I mean, my my symptoms, I get palpitations, I get ectopics or missed heartbeats, or feels like it anyway. Um, I get chest pain, I get headaches, I, I get a sore leg, and I think I've got a, got a blood clot in my leg. Um, I get something called air hunger, which is where you feel like you're not getting enough oxygen. I know I am. I know I am. I'm not, I'm not denying the fact there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. And it is all in my head. I know it is. But when you're in in crisis, you you believe truly that there is something wrong with you, and it, it makes you panic. It's an awful feeling, and you get this feeling in the pit of your stomach that is panic, complete and utter panic. And in some cases, you do not know what to do with yourself. I mean, some days you just want to just pull the covers over your head and stay in bed for the rest rest of the year and not see anybody. But you can't do that. You've got to go through it. And even though I know deep down that this is my anxiety, this is my, my health anxiety, it's still scary. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. Sometimes I'm absolutely terrified of what could happen and, you know, what, what could happen if this happened or that happened or had this or was diagnosed with that? There's always a what if, what if, what if. And with the generalised part of my anxiety, that can happen any time. That could be happening when I'm sat in front of the telly, while I'm eating dinner with my family. It can happen on the ride to work. It can happen at work. It has been happening at work. That's, that's one of the reasons I'm off. And... It's, it's scary, and when you don't know how to deal with it and you don't recognise what it is, that is a dangerous time for your mental well-being. Now, like I said previously, luckily we're getting somewhere where it's being talked about a lot, but the stigma is still there. Because I'm sure, even though I'm off now, there will be people talking about me and... You know, the thing of, oh, just need a man up, just need to put your big boy pants on. I put my big boy pants on and got help. That, that I'm in no way, shape or form am I ashamed of that. I spoke to my GP. I've got a really good GP. He put me back on antidepressants and he recommended I have at least three months off work. Now, I think with my colleagues who are listening in, we've been through one of the worst times Ever. We've lost our colleague, colleagues, um, we've lost hundreds of people and it's been one of the most traumatic times that I've ever, ever known. And it's something that we need to take care of and take care of ourselves. There's absolutely no shame in taking time off. 
which is what I've done. I've, I've had to do it. Because um, if not, I would have been an anxious, jibbering wreck on the floor. And I'm not looking, I would, you know, I could barely look after myself at the time, never mind someone else. I mean, with my guard, it was really affecting me at work. Um, I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever tried to put a cannula in when you, you when your heart's going a thousand miles an hour. It's it's not that easy, and the patients look at you like you've got a third head. Um, well, some of them look at me like that anyway. So the main thing I'm saying is that we sort of have a, a sort of a martyr complex, really, um, especially in healthcare. We will do anything not to take time off because we feel it lets our colleagues down, it lets the patients down. <clears throat> the patients are still going to be there. Our colleagues are still going to be there. Yes, staffing is awful across the whole NHS at the moment, but it's going to be even worse if more and more staff go off with stress. And I think as well with going back to internalising, we are very good at just cracking on with it. Not, you know, not saying there's a problem. We're just going, yeah, fine. I'm all right. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. But we're not. We're not okay. And we need to realise that. We need to recognise that. And we need to deal with that. And, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm from, a, from an era as a lot of people are, where you weren't allowed to show emotions. And, you know, I've never seen my dad cry. I've never, I've seen my mum cry, but she, she cries a bloody Bambi. Um, but I've never seen my dad cry or any of my male relatives cry. Um, and unfortunately, we've had three funerals in the past three years. Uh, my nan and my granddad, my Uncle Jeff. And what was heartbreaking was um it was heartbreaking because we we are so so ingrained as a culture that we can't show emotions and unfortunately that is what i believe has led to the epidemic of mental health mental illness sorry so i think i think it's time that we all set up and properly spoke about it and actually realised that it is a normal thing and it's not something to be shied away from. It's something that needs to be spoken about. Mm -hmm. And the sooner we do that, the better, the sooner we can get it all out into the open. And like I said from my colleagues, we've been through three years of absolute carnage and there's loads of people off sick, obviously myself being one of them. And unfortunately, that is going to carry on the longer that we don't do something about it. The, the, the help is there. You know, we could, I mean, speak to the bosses, speak to whoever you need to be. You need to speak to somebody or we're going to start um, losing more staff, both to other jobs and poor mental health as well. Now, I think that we all need to realise that it could happen to any of us. Any of us could have a severe mental breakdown. It, it's happened before to my colleagues, both where I work now and my previous place. People have full-blown breakdowns and we need to start talking about it, especially in this industry. 
I mean, we've seen, we well, the stuff we see will break people. And we, we need to talk about it and we need to make it normal that we talk about it. And then we might be able to change the direction that we're going in. So I'm going to start wrapping up now because I think I've babbled on for 20 minutes now. But just just an update, I'm feeling better, I'm on meds, I'm back in touch with my therapist. So good decisions I've done about this was I got help, I got on meds, spoke about it, and that, that has helped tenfold, thousand times it's helped. And I think that's what people need to do to actually to actually make it better for everybody, for us, for our friends, for our family, for our patients, for, for everybody. We need to look after ourselves. So that, that concludes me talking about me. Um, if anybody has any comments, anything they want to talk about, I may even be getting guests on in the near future once I wrap my head around this whole podcast lark. So thanks again for dropping in and leave us a comment. Let me know what you think. Cheers, guys. everybody for tuning in and listening to me babble on your comments are all welcome and i appreciate you listening to me look after yourselves